podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How do you find Will Smith in the snow? You follow the Fresh Prince. <laughs> I've heard that one before. I like that one too. Yeah, I like it. Shout I like out, it. Shout out, I think, for probably the 15th time on this pod to my friend Graham for sending me that this morning when I'm struggling <laughs> to find the joke. Do you message him and say, or does he just know that he he's struggling? Just he just sends me them, yeah. He just sends me them. There's a few people that send me them. Um, my friend Larissa sent me one um, two weeks ago. Um, that was a good one. Yeah, I think I think all the ones that friends send me get a good rating. The ones I find or, you know, think are funny get a very low rating. But that leads into what Lawrence thought it was. I think there's a there's a pattern emerging, mate, where you've you've moved to a different style of joke, if late. And um you're playing the odds here because you're you're moving to the style of joke <laughs> that I like. Yes. Um, I think I think I, I, I realize that I have to play the numbers game. I have to play the market. Rather yeah. than be like, I find this funny. I've got to be like, well, what is what is <laughs> ultimately I'm being judged by one man and one man alone. And that man is Lawrence Barreto. Well, it's a it's a brilliant strategy because I'm gonna give you an eight this week, Nate. Nice. Eight. Nice. We're on a real roll. I like that a lot. I'm gonna interject though. Don't oh. forget that there are three, maybe four listeners uh, who might <laughs> want to like a joke that's different to Barreto's. So I'm going to see if anyone on, on the Twitter in the future. As on the wants, Twitter? Yeah, on the Twitter. Well, we've um, gone through phases because there was a time when I would do the, like I went to the doctors the other day and do you remember there was like four, yeah. four jokes in five weeks where I did that. They were quite good. Then there were longer ones that weren't too, weren't too good. And yeah. I think but, we've hit this. We've hit this groove. But you say not too good. But you don't know. You're saying they're not too good based on what Barreto says. But I'm going to get. Yeah. I'm going to get the audience to uh, start to vote as well. I'm going to see if people will just reply when we've put it up and score it, and then we're going to get like a a bit more of a view of what the what the listeners want. It what might people be. Want. I don't want to say it, but it might be that Barreto's like sense of humour doesn't match with everyone else's. We might not even need Barreto. Hang on. We might not even need him. Hang on. This has escalated. <laughs> you got to get control of this podcast back yeah, yeah. otherwise we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna it's gonna be a two-man pod welcome to the paddock a podcast featuring stories following formula one around the world i'm lawrence Bretto, senior writer at f1.com and I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN.com. And we're all England today. Yes, it's coming home. So go. if you're listening to this tomorrow and it hasn't come home, <laughs> please fast forward this bit. Yeah, I wanted to throw that out there early because by the time I actually get this edited and uploaded, it'll probably be about kickoff. And yeah, yeah this, this one will date quickly, but also it could be that we are either insufferable because England have beaten Germany uh, or we are... Insufferable wow. because England have lost the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Either way, we are sorry for being insufferable from about now. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good disclaimer. I like that. I'm enjoying the fact that you've got your England shirt on already. It's like you're building up to the game. I am so hyped. I've got a fair bit of work to do, but I've planned it all out. I, did, I was very productive this morning before we started recording. Um, so I've actually got one big feature to do as the main thing this afternoon. And then I'm straight into game mode. Um, I'll be all nervous later and all that luck, but it's fun being a sports fan and it not being the sport you're working in. I'm just getting completely like back into fan mode. I love doing it. So I think I throw myself into it more now than I did before I worked in F1, if that makes sense. 
because it's that kind of escape from most of the time, like cool sporting things happen with our job, but you've got this kind of nagging thing in your head where you're thinking about it from a work perspective and not having to do that for the Euros is great. Yeah, you're right. I, th- I, I, I felt that when, when Verstappen went out in Baku and then Lewis had his moment, it was like a quick, like, oh, wow. And then you suddenly like, you drop your head and you like get back to doing the work. So you don't, you don't kind of enjoy it like in the same way you would as a sports fan, you, you're kind of like, oh, that just happened. And now I have to work out the best way of covering that and yeah. explaining it and understanding why it happened, et cetera. So yeah, I completely agree. Especially when it's England in a World Cup or a Euros, I think it's just complete escapism. Yeah, yeah for, for a short time anyway, until we're knocked out normally. But um, who knows, maybe tonight we'll make it a longer time and it'll be Saturday before we're in pain. <laughs> but I imagine it won't be. If, if, if you are listening to this on Wednesday, please show us some sympathy. I don't like the lack of positivity in, in this chat recently. Well, right? we're in this, we're in the phase right now. Some people will ask, especially our American listeners who might not understand. I had this question from an Italian uh, friend of ours, Matteo Bocciani, who used to um, run the FIA Media Center. Ciao, wanted, Matteo. Yeah. Ciao, ciao, Matteo. Ciao, bello. Uh, he wanted to know uh, what it's coming home means, what it's all about. And some people think we're being really arrogant, saying that we're just going to win all the time. But it's a completely ironic song about the fact that England kind of, um, we didn't create football, but we um, sort of implemented the laws of the game. Uh, there's a term for that and it's just gone from from my uh, mind. But um, yeah, so we, we sort of like coded football and created all its rules. And then pretty much every other country just went and got a lot better at it than we were. So um, it's that kind of irony that we made this this great sport that everyone could play and understand and play by the same rules and play each other, but then we weren't good enough to actually be that good at it. Um, so it's it's ironic until the point of, you know, say if this is Wednesday and we have beaten Germany, when we start to actually believe we might win something and then it's sung with full belief that we are the best team in the world and that it's inevitable that we're going to win a tournament, which hasn't happened in, what, 60 years nearly? So, good. Yeah, about that. 55. Nice. So yeah, that's um. Welcome to the uh, what's what's the Padhocks football spinoff? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we should probably talk about some F one. But it's point, just cause... it's a great time for sport at the moment, isn't it? Wimbledon just started, obviously in the middle of a triple header as well. Got the Euros going on. Um, this is a great time to uh, be talking about sport and be loving sport. Uh, what do you guys think of uh, the Styrian Grand Prix? It was it was a lot of fun. Um, I was going to throw in a quick review before we get onto Styria actually because. Uh, we do talk about F1 sometimes, don't we? Which Barreto's desperately trying to do right now. Uh, but Callum F1 here in the UK gave us a review with the title The Padhock Love the Padhock, which nice. someone ah. using Nate's stuff back at him, I think, is nailed Love that. It. I, I always like that because it's what I do to other people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a proper homage to Nate Saunders. <laughs> um, yeah, good luck. Good work, Callum F1. Uh, who says, absolutely love this F1 pod. Three journos I've followed for ages talking F1 as if it's over a pint. Wonderful. The sort of podcast I always wanted to make. Keep it going, guys. Uh, no, thank so you. That's much, exactly Tom. what we were trying to do. So... The weird thing is we've never done it over a pint because we no. record it like 11, so it's always over a coffee. We'll do the first one in, in person. Let's, let's, have, let's have pints. Regardless of the time. Pints <laughs> for Pad Hoc. Pad Hoc pints. We'll, we'll, oh, come yeah. up with a, we'll come up with a good name. Ooh, I like it. You'll have There's to do a the spin-off jingle. there. Yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> this is where we split into two rival pods, isn't it? <laughs> One is pints for pad hoc, and the other is pad hoc pints. And we're drunk in both. Yeah, which one will the fans follow? 
tune in to find out. <laughs> well, thanks, Callum, for the review. We always welcome reviews. So um, if you do love us, we love hearing that you love us. So yeah, our egos absolutely love it. <laughs> His head has grown, has grown about three sizes. Equally, since, if you since don't, he had no, on, equally, if you don't like us, we welcome feedback as well, don't we? And constructive criticism. Yeah, Nate gives us that a lot, so <laughs> no, we can take it from anyone else. That's not fair. Well, I do actually, but I give everyone <laughs> constructive criticism, feedback, opinions. Well, talking about feedback and opinions and reviews, there's only one review that I'm excited about after a Grand Prix race weekend, Nate. <laughs> And that's your 60 second review. Yeah. I, this one, I struggled with a bit, this one, because the race didn't have that much going on in it. But I think I saved it. I think it was, I think it's okay. I think it's some good bits. So let's have a look. Let's look at it. Verstappen, ultimate domination, looks like a world champion. I can't see him losing the title at this point. Hamilton, sad, but got the fastest lap. Bottas drives for Mercedes. Perez needed one more lap. Norris, wonder kid. Running out of things to say about this guy. He's fantastic. Science, best performance at Ferrari so far. Leclerc, how good is Charles Leclerc? Fantastic. He had to pit twice early on. Brilliant drive. Stroll, secretly, can be very good sometimes. Sometimes. Alonso, plugging away in ninth like that. Yuki, back in the points. Come on, Yuki. Kimi was 11th. 12th, Vettel. That's the Vettel we know and love. Ricciardo, let down by his car. Gets a pass this time. Uh, Ocon and Giovinazzi uh, both finished a lap down. Schumacher finished two laps down. Latifi's just not that good. Mazepin didn't spin, so that's good. Um, Russell, how unlucky is George Russell, by the way? Like, I feel like the guy's walked under like 10 ladders in his life. And Pierre Gasly, uh, love is cruel. Love is tough. Love can be painful. But like all true love, we keep on believing. Pierre, don't, don't worry, babe. <laughs> you said babe <laughs> at the end of that. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> Uh, I think Babe actually technically took it just over sixty seconds, so it wasn't part of the review. It was just a it was just a personal message to, to Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what the technical rules are there, but yeah. So um, wow, uh, I've I mean some stunners in there. Uh, that's what we know and love is going to annoy a lot of people, but was yeah. Genius. I feel like I feel like that is the ultimate like fishing rod emoji uh, moment. But you know, come at me, bring it on. I feel like. Um, so Ben Hunt from The Sun, friend of ours, often riles up either McLaren or Vettel fans, doesn't he? Just through comments like that on Twitter. So um, I feel like maybe some of them might come my way. We'll see, though. I was very kind about Vettel the other day, so I feel like I'm balancing it out quite fairly. Fair. And it wasn't his best weekend by any stretch. Like you say, Lance did a very good job. Um, I, I, well, I don't know if I take exception with this, but you reckon Science's driver is better than his one in Monaco? Oh, Yeah. I didn't think of that. <laughs> well, no. So it was his best drive, best drive for Ferrari at the Styrian Grand Prix ah, in, in the yeah. history of the Styrian Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, now you've said it. Uh, yeah, I might have to. <laughs> might have to go and rethink my life. Do my research better. Dare I say it? Well, no, actually, I was going to say dare I say it. He got the maximum possible result based mm. on how quick that car was. Potentially, I think he thinks he might have got Lando. Um, but that car really wasn't finishing any higher. You could say that there was a point in the Monaco weekend when that car should have won the race if they'd have well, got it all together. But so, then Leclerc did do the job in quality first, so it's it's a bit awkward. So I'm that wasn't my argument, but I am now going to say that is my argument that Sainz <laughs> didn't maximise Monaco. So therefore, it wasn't his best Ferrari drive, best result, but not his best performance. Well, we're so, talking about good, yeah, good performances yeah, either way. So exactly. Thanks for thanks for helping helping bail me out there, Meadows. I'm here for you, friend. <laughs>
Yeah, that was good. I was intrigued at um, how much love you gave Charles, Nate. Did, I quite, I thought, surely I thought, it was his, wasn't it his fault that he had contact in the first place? Yeah, it, it was, but then he still came back to the field. I know he had a quick car, but, you know, I think, I feel like sometimes maybe Leclerc was like, I want to remind people how good I am. You know, went into the back of Pierre. He was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> no, I, I get you. I think sometimes like, you know, drivers, if, if they make a mistake, if they come back and have a performance like that, mm-hmm. then it's quite impressive. Whereas if a lot of drivers might have had a, a crash like that and just had a terrible race to follow it. And then you'd say, not only did you run someone else's race, you also just didn't recover yours. Um, did suck for Pierre because I feel like Gasly could have really done something quite good. Um, but, you know, like I said, we love Gasly. So, <laughs> and I so called him babe. Right, babe. Yeah, I called yeah. him babe. <laughs> to be fair, the Leclerc one, I said, when I first saw it happen, I blamed Leclerc and thought, oh, he's ruined his own race there. And that was clumsy. And then I think it was uh, Lawrence Edmondson was in the media centre with me who kind of went, mm, wasn't it like Gasly's fault moving across on him? And we watched it back and kind of thought, it's kind of six one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, there were three wide, weren't they? Alonso was on the inside and Gasly moves a bit left. Leclerc moves a bit right. It's so light contact as well. I kind of feel like I, I don't really put too much blame on Leclerc for that. I don't feel like it was him on his own doing something silly. I think it was just a bit of an, an awkward circumstance. And then his performance after that was very good so um yeah i can i can see talking about it was uh it was a good a good drive and realistically they got back to pretty much where they were going to be maybe they could have got lando if both ferraris had, had clean starts and run clean but that was about as good as it was going to get for them so it didn't hurt them too much but yeah it was uh at least they gave some action as well some cars coming through the field and things because yeah, yeah it was kind it's of it's, bit, it's yeah, not at the front wasn't it i think the red bull ring <clears throat> has actually kind of done pretty well to like sell itself as a really great venue. Cause I think that visually it's great and it's a quick circuit and qualifying is always great, but in the race itself, I don't know, it just, the cars will kind of spread out quite quickly. And so you don't get, often you don't get like, we always used to like dunk on the French Grand Prix, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing a super exciting. I mean, we did have a good Austrian Grand Prix with a safety car last year where Lewis and Albon hit, but I feel like it's a race that relies on the field being bunched up together people on different strategies, different tyres, etc. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm talking. Yeah, because we had that race where Max came through the field as well to win, didn't we? Um, when he was on a slightly different strategy. So maybe it's the right. strategy. Maybe it's the strategies that... <clears throat> yeah, that's it. I think I think it comes down to that a lot of the time. Yeah, I think you get a lot of DRS trains, don't you? If not, if you look at Ricardo's race where he was clearly in a pretty quick car and had a good start, then dropped behind, what, four or five cars when his power unit decided it didn't want to work for a little while. And then he just sat there in 13th the rest of the race and just yeah. sat in the train. Um, well, he was he was lapping the same pace as Bottas at one point, more or less. But he just he was just stuck there. So, so yeah, I can see if you're not on some different strategy or something doesn't mix it up. But normally we get you know maybe a bit of weather or you get yeah a safety car or someone love it when there's a bit crashes, of weather. But, wow, <laughs> there was there was no weather at the weekend in a weird way. There like, was no weather. Everyone getting angry at the lack blank of rain. Canvas. What yeah. is no weather like? What are the conditions for no weather? Just fairly sunny and dry. Emptiness. That counts as no weather. <laughs> Something no, I get what you mean. I get drama what you mean. to an F1 race is no weather. No um, weather. Yeah. There was so much rain around as well at different times. Like Wednesday night, hell of a thunderstorm. Hell yeah, of a hailstones, like proper proper hailstones. Yeah, that was, I mean, I, I was filming it and got like loads of fork lightning that was like hitting trees and things and it was, it was crazy. But uh, the hail wasn't as brutal as the hail that Kimmy seems to have had. Did you see his Instagram stories? Um, the hailstones were so big there, it looked like it was like an airdrop on his swimming pool and it caused quite a lot of damage 
to his roof and shattered all the windows in one of his Alfa Romeos. Wow. Yeah. That's so nuts. the when was that? So, uh, like, I'm saw it on his Instagram stories last night. So it probably will still be up if you, well, if you can flick through now. This could be a live carnage. broadcast. So sorry, Kimmy, for not giving us. But yeah. um. Oh. I saw that and I, I, yeah, I thought it was nuts. Kimmy's Instagram is quite funny. Like sometimes he's, I don't know. I, I never know if it's him or if it's Mintu who does it. No, I but I quite Mintu. like not knowing. I think that that adds yeah. the intrigue of Kimmy. Um, and yeah. So anyway, that we've segued from talking about the weather. We're just, we're, while Nate and I are chatting, Chris is still watching the video and you could just see his facial expression change. Yeah, right. It's um, smashed pretty much every window on his car. Like his, his windscreen is completely smashed, but still there. Mm-hmm. The bonnet is full of dents from hailstones. Um, the rear window is gone. One of the side windows is gone. Christ. Yeah, these, those were like bigger than golf. They were like tennis ball style size hailstones. That's... Yeah, so we didn't quite have that here in Austria, but it was still pretty significant more, you know, beforehand. And then the weather improved from then, then on and we didn't barely saw any rain thereafter. Is it slightly ironic that Kimmy's just been smashed by a load of ice as soon as he's <laughs> the ice man? No? <sighs> anyway. I think it's quite good, but also I would give that a one out of ten if Thank I was Lawrence Barretta. I take it. <laughs> just so uh, I didn't say it, if I'd said it, I think the delivery would have been better. Um <laughs> Yeah, there was no conviction there. Yeah. Um You can believe, Meadows, you've got to believe. I still believe. We still believe. So, Meadows, you're back home now. Couldn't, didn't quite fancy the whole triple header. Um, how was your experience at Spielberg? It was fun. I liked it. I do love the Red Bull Ring. Like Nate says, like visually, it's stunning. And as media centres go, I think we might have mentioned it on a previous pod at some stage. We've done a lot of pods, so I'm sure we've talked about it at some point. But it is the best media centre by far. You're at the top of this beautiful, uh, huge kind of structure that's over the pit straight. And it just overlooks... Um, start finish line the pit lane and the garages but then the whole track is kind of like draped on the hill in front of you so you can see pretty much the whole circuit and it's just amazing it's such a beautiful part of the world um people people don't realize that do they because a lot most of the media centers you don't get a view of the circuit Uh, (laughs) certainly not from your seat some of them don't have windows yeah yeah exactly like austin is like it's probably the only place in the circuit of americas where you can't see the the racetrack is the media center you can hear it but you can't see anything. So yeah, it's it's amazing. I love going to that, to Red Bull Ring. That's that a really is. good point, actually. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that about Cota, but yeah, you don't even have a window in that media center. You don't have one in Abu Dhabi. You don't have one in Mexico. You have Monaco. windows, but you can't see the track. Well, in... Monaco, you've got a tiny window if you're sat in the right place. Yeah, Monaco's all right. You can kind of see uh, Raskas out of one section of windows. So they put some steps up so you can look out, but you're right. You don't have much there. Um, you don't, Bahrain, you have windows, but you can't see the circuit. Uh, where else? Like Melbourne normally has some. That's quite good over the pit straight. Some some are nice views. Like you can actually see the start of the race or something. Like Paul Ricard was just past is at the pit exit basically. So you saw just after the start of the race. That was quite a good spot uh, a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, Spielberg by far the best. Miles better than anything else. So and things have opened up as well um, for the written media. I actually got to see you a couple of times in in the paddock. You were roaming roaming about. Yeah, I was allowed to roam. I went and spoke to uh, Fritz Enzinger the Porsche guy to uh, I was like basically one of our photographer friends said uh, there's a there's a Porsche bigwig here I'm not sure if anyone knows so I came down and thought I'll see what he's here for and he was strolling around in shorts and I introduced myself to him and he was like who are you what are you doing why are you talking to me what do you want 
Is that like every interaction that you have with a, a random person? No, most people know that they want to avoid me. He was unaware of who I was, so he didn't know he wanted to avoid me until I started talking to him. But um, yeah, he, he very quickly was like, uh, I said, I just wanted to know why he was there. And I was like, is this a business trip? Like you talking to people in a polite way. It was just interesting to know what, what was brought in there. But he's from Graz and he said it's a personal trip. And he was just sort of in the paddock to see how things were on his way back from Munich. I don't buy it for a second, but that's all he wanted to say before he legged it. I was about to say, and you bought it foolish tomorrow there'll be a press release like <laughs> contract for porsche to enter f1 signed signed in the middle of the red bull ring paddock and no one saw me it was <laughs> like one fair. i thought one journalist had got wind of it but he he just left <laughs> bought my excuse and he just walked away to be fair i think the uh, the german media are reporting that porsche and audi are going to be in the next engine regulations meeting that's probably going to happen i think this weekend in austria so um, Good. But I don't Definitely. think it'll be Enzinger who's in that meeting. So I didn't miss directly him. But yeah, um, that we might have some more manufacturers just having a listen to see what's going to be what. And what they're going to see is that Red Bull dominate and, uh, you know, it's, that, you know, Mercedes are past it. Isn't that right? I mean, that's one way of putting it, Chris. <laughs> I think... Uh... I think Red Bull are benefiting from a unique situation whereby if they really go for it when everyone else is switched off, they could win. Yeah. So I don't, that's not to take anything away from them because they've obviously built a good car. They've had a strong winter. They had a strong start to the season. The Honda engine is better. They're running um, that um, smaller rear wing Um, they're doing everything right. Don't get me wrong, but I imagine they're one of the few teams that are bringing trucks in on like, you know, over a race weekend with new parts. Um, because this is their chance to win the world championship. So um, we've seen teams like BMW gave up to focus on the following year. And well, we all saw how that worked out. So I, I can't really blame them for wanting to push on if this is their opportunity to do so. So fair play to them. Surely, yeah, as well, surely as well, it will kind of have a better return than say 2013 did. Because in 13, you had the engine rules that, completely ruined everyone else except Mercedes basically from having a chance of winning the title that year and for a few years after whereas the engine regs are staying the same so it's all down to what Red Bull can control in terms of the car they develop and mm-hmm. even if they start off on the back foot it kind of reminds me of 2009 when Ferrari and McLaren developed all the way to the end of the year in a big fight in 2008 and then in 2009 they started both off the pace because of that and you had what Red Bull Braun, Toyota even Williams that had, had like a better um, a better winter and started more strongly I reckon it'd be a bit like that because then Ferrari and McLaren both caught up during the first year even and won races by the end of that year so I reckon Red Bull will be able to drag themselves back into it a bit more even with the cost cap um, so I think, and I think there's it's the, worth doing and there's the sliding scale of development time, wind tunnel time isn't there I think we're seeing, like, that's why Ferrari's made such a big jump this year because they would have finished what, sixth last year so have actually been afforded quite a bit more leeway than Red Bull and Mercedes have um, so I think that's quite interesting as well so we're yeah, getting technical. Like we're getting, like we're getting super nerdy, aren't we? This is a this is a, a first for the pad hog. The nerd hog. The ner- <laughs> nice. Well, we've just gone the other way of um, um down the spectrum from starting talking about football to talking about Formula One and then getting very techy. We've served everyone on this <laughs> podcast. Every single person. Maybe not maybe not German listener, because we were talking about England Germany, then I slagged off Vettel. So I feel like maybe Say something I'll, nice about Mick. Oh, yeah, Mick, Mick Schumacher's great. He's beating Mazepin. Um, and yeah, 
Speaking of Mazepin, I liked that they gave him a spinny top. So anyone who didn't see this, Gunther Steiner gave him a spinning top as a present. And to be fair to Mazepin, he seemed to take the joke pretty well. Um, yeah. I think that like Steiner said it himself, didn't he? Like everyone thinks he's just this grumpy kid, but he actually, you know, he took it. He didn't just take it well because the cameras were. He seemed to genuinely find it quite funny. And then he didn't spin. So maybe, maybe <laughs> that was the solution. Yeah, because Steiner said, didn't he, spin that and it's better than spinning the F1 car. But it means you yeah. get maps of spinning, which, yeah, like the fact that they get in on the joke, I think is actually a good way to deal with it. I think it, it's in that sort of situation, because it, it, otherwise it's just like an elephant in the room, isn't it? Like everyone in that team is like, okay, Maz has been spinning a lot. He, he knows he's spinning a lot. The team knows he's spinning a lot. So if no one's like making a joke about it, making light of it, it must get pretty, pretty weird. The, the key is that he stops doing it, I think, because then it's like they look back at it. It's like how Grosjean and Magnussen are still friends despite having all that time when they you know, kept hitting each other on track. I feel like it was made a bit of a joke by Steiner with the kind of like the subtext of, but also don't do that again. <laughs> I, will, I will absolutely roast both of you. <laughs> like, uh, you know, there's always that with Steiner. I, I, I like Steiner's management system. It must be complete chaos working for him, but I think he's got a good way with people, it seems like. Well, it's such a difficult time for them now. They know that they're not really going to be moving forward this year. They know they're not going to make much progress. So if they can lighten the mood in any way and also all get on board with it rather than um, not seeing the funny side of it, I think that's a great thing. And I did see on Nikita's Insta earlier, he's asking for what gift he can get, suggestions for what gift he can get Gunter back. Hmm. Um, so I'll be interested to see what, uh, what he comes up with. I'm trying to think now what other jokes should be embraced by drivers and teams up and down the grid right i just had a little one where maybe because we mentioned how good stroll's been but everyone always throws the money accusation at him so i reckon every time he gets out the car after a good weekend he should just start like throwing dollar bills around just being like <laughs> yeah and what like i'm i'm rich and i'm quick so what? <laughs> like <laughs> something like that but i try to think of who else could uh needs that sort of joke in there i think i i think there is something to that because i think as soon as you make a joke about something it immediately takes the sting out of it a little bit. If if people are like, you know, oh, this person's actually kind of okay with it. Um, it kind of, you know, I like I know, for example, that like Yuki and Alpha Tauri kind of made light of his height. And it's just, you know, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm small. There's like nothing he's going to do is going to change that. But he's just like, yeah, that's, that's just the way it is. And it's not like it's done in a mean way. Um, like- Stroll one's a good example because he's always been very, even today, he's still very touchy about it. It's like, well, but you are very wealthy and you are in... Yeah, in a very good situation because of your dad's money, but also you seem to pop up with results every now and then, which I think justify being there. So I would, yeah, I think that would be a great way. Maybe not real dollar bills that might actually piss people off, but like Monopoly money, maybe. Maybe you should yeah. dress up as a Monopoly man. That's what you should do. You should come into the paddock like that, <laughs> <laughs> handing out like get out of jail free cards to people. Love to see that. It's funny you mentioned Yuki as well. I remember in Bahrain um, where he came up to do his first interview. I think it was with French TV. I might mention this on the previous part as well but he uh, he came up to do uh, his interview on the honestly on the thursday so they'd done their press conference in the media center came out into the tv pen and he, he went up to um the mic for the uh, i think it was belgian tv actually uh, and he just went oh wait one second as they went to ask the first question and he adjusted the microphone and dropped it down lower for himself because they're all like static ones now for you know covid and safe distances and stuff but it, it was too tall for him uh, the one he walked up to and he said oh it's just my routine i'm getting used to it um <laughs> but made a joke about it himself about his height which was good and he's been good fun i mean did you see the football video that uh alpha tari put out our good mate josh cruz that put that together in, at the red bull ring where that uh, was so good 
going back to Euro 2020 content, but it was those two with helmets on, full race gear, fighting over a football. <laughs> Fantastic. And actually they fighting. properly, yeah, they both <laughs> went for it, didn't they? Yeah, I feel like, yeah. And you could hear them like giggling under the, under, like, under the visor, which was really funny. Like they were obviously both mic'd up and you could just hear this like muffled laughing. And then I think you could hear Josh laughing behind the camera as well. It was great. It was really fun. And I just could imagine, because Yuki then got flattened by a fair tackle, I think, from Pierre at one point, where it just kind of, you know, it wasn't, there was nothing bad about it, but Yuki fell over. And then two minutes later, he got up and run and threw himself into this sliding challenge at Pierre, who kind of jumped out the way of it and laughed it off. But I thought, can you imagine if they had to go to France afterwards and be like, so, uh, yeah, Pierre can't race this weekend. He's uh, (laughs) done his ankle ligaments. How do you manage that? Well, we've got it on camera. Um, it was all Josh's fault. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'd have all been on our mate Josh. It'd be like, oh, mate. And he's like wearing all the safety gear. That's like, yeah, helmet doesn't save you from that sort of tackle. So um, that was awesome. That was yeah, probably my favorite content of the year so far, I think. As, as teammates go, they seem to be the ones this year. I think they get on the best. Do you think? Mm. Yeah, I think so. It does seem that way. Yeah. They, and, and yeah, it, it seems like a really good vibe at that team. So I'd agree with that. I think, I think Yuki needs to learn from Pierre a lot. And Pierre mm-hmm. knows that his position there could be um, yeah, properly team leader in the sense of A, it will convince other teams like that he has that value. Um, but B, if AlphaTauri just keep growing and are allowed to keep growing and try and get closer to the front, then he's wanting to, wanting to be the guy driving that forward. So um, I think they've both embraced their positions quite well, actually. I think Yuki initially didn't. I think he thought he could come in as a rookie and be like, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be right on this guy. I'm going to beat him and be rapid but it looks like he's turned it around. He was talking about after France where he crashed at the start of qualifying and how he looked at Pierre and how he approached quali. And even though he's got way more experience, he took a lot longer to build up because they made changes to the car after FB3 and he needed to get a feel for how the car was. And Yuki was like, I think in Yuki's head, it's that, well, you're so good at driving, you just get in and, and you can drive the thing flat out. And it's like, no, no, it takes, you, you can't back your ability that much. You need to learn these things and get a feel for it. And I think that actually opened Yuki's eyes a bit to the, that different approach. So, He's definitely looking across the garage at Pierre and kind of learning from him on track as well as off it. But I think in terms of off track, Pierre's such a nice guy that he's probably really easy to be a teammate with. Yeah, and and on that as well, Pierre's the perfect person to talk to about how to get the best out of a car because he's had those times when he struggled with Red Bull. I imagine if, you know, he's not talked much about it in the media, but he might be quite open about it to, you know, Maybe not. Maybe uh, you know. We never know how much teammates talk to each other. But I feel like, like you say, Pierre is genuine. For people listening, Pierre is genuinely one of the nicest guys in the paddock, um, which I think is probably why that's such a good teammate uh, dynamic. And they're at different points in their career as well, aren't they? So I don't think that Pierre might necessarily think that Yuki is is a threat, especially if he, you know Pierre is unlikely to ever go back to Red Bull, say the works team there's no real point in kind of trying to marginalize Yuki if anything the best thing to do is try and work with him and and help him as best he can and I think that will probably work out better for 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 both of them yeah definitely although to be we we should send our commiserations to Pierre just to bring it full circle back around (laughs) to the Euros but uh France knocked out by Switzerland last night in a shock saw the Grosjean household as well was going to be quite torn over that because Roman is both Swiss and French um but yeah the Swiss beat the French that was crazy it's just, I'm sorry, I got distracted by an email coming in that, that tells me it is definitely coming home because there was going to be a screening next week um, that was going to be called the new Mosley documentary uh, that I was really looking forward to seeing. But it was on Wednesday. And in a hypothetical world where England are good at football, that would have been their semi-final if they got there, which, okay, is very unlikely. But I thought, 
I don't want to be the guy that suddenly has to email back and go, um, I'm not coming now because there's a, a Euro semi-final that I really want to watch. Uh, but I would be that guy. But they've just emailed to say they've changed the date because it was clashing with certain things and it will be the week after, which means I'm free to watch England win a semi-final. So it's definitely happening, right? Right. So I think that's how it works. I'm getting on board this hype train. Let's do it. We need a hype train. Yuki was our hype train and it kind of faded slightly. Uh, but it's picking up speed. It's, it's like it's stop and go. It's like there's works on the rails, isn't there? And they have to go through these periods of like limited speed. Works. Yeah. So they, you get some delays in between certain stations, but other times it pulls in and it's like, yes, <laughs> get on that. It's very much a British train at the moment, isn't it? It's very <laughs> unreliable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It does get you to its destination when it's running fine, but it doesn't always run on time and it can be very frustrating. Well, speaking of frustrating, I know I've been frustratingly hijacking it, talking about Euros football. Let's finish with F1 chat again. Mr. Barreto, you're staying out for the third week of three on the road in Austria. Like, How is it? Where are you? What's, uh, what fun are you filling this week with? Um, I'm currently in my hotel at the minute. Um, I am enjoying the good weather that we are enjoying here in Austria. It's, a bit, it's still in its mid-30s, which is nice. Um, and the forecast is just changing like it did last week. It's insane. It's raining the next day and you get to the next day and the raids move to the day after. So I have a feeling that um, this is probably going to be a clearer weekend, but that's probably better for the fans because we're going to have a full a full house. So I'm super excited about like um, having packed grandstands. And when driving back from the circuit on Sunday night, you can see a lot of the campsites were now taking shape. Like a fun fair was being put up, a lot of... Um, uh, places that sell food and drinks and whatnot and stuff. So I think it's going to be a completely different vibe uh, this weekend. Um, and it should feel more like a proper Formula One event. So I'm super, super excited. Um, before then, I'm going to try and get a little bit of downtime, do a bit of cycling, um, maybe get up into uh, some of the Styrian hills and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's a cool place to do a tr- a, a two races in a row and um, a cool time of year to do a triple header in Europe. Yeah, to be fair, it's it's better to be out there than here, I'll admit. But quarantine meant I thought I'd come back and quarantine for a while. So uh, I'm missing it. But then, then, hopefully, fingers crossed, potentially, this will be the last race of just one or two of us at it. And Silverstone could be three. Could yeah, it? hopefully. I mean, I don't see why, why it wouldn't be, but we're still waiting on a few things. Um, got to dot the I's and cross the T's, as they say. Cross the A, because it's the FIA that you're waiting on. Yes, that as well um but yeah that would be i'm absolutely buzzing to get back so and silverstone as well with a full house will be amazing that'll be absolutely it's amazing. gonna be quite a weekend isn't it with more than a hundred thousand people yeah that will be venue. nuts that actually that it'll feel quite surreal i think being there with that many people and the noise of because silverstone is obviously lewis wins quite a lot but just when the race starts the whole vibe before the race is great so yeah fingers crossed but let's not let's not jinx it Hopefully, good update next podcast coming on that yeah. one. I, I, yeah, I'd be, I'd be absolutely thrilled to go. It's been a long time. We'll, we'll launch the Nate Saunders sixty-second review merch at Silverstone <laughs> if it happens. Yeah, just Gasly love Gasly. That's all it says. <laughs> I'd, I'd have a mug with that on it. Yeah, I think that could sell quite well. Yeah. Right, we should end this and let's 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 make our millions. We'll, we'll yeah, guys, we'll see. We're going to see you later. We're going to we're going to go off and brainstorm some design ideas for, for merch. And then you'll suddenly just get like pleased to buy all our stuff. But yeah, it's the we've ruined the pod now. Well, we've got to yeah. you know this. We don't monetize this, so we've got to find a way somehow one day, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> 
Right then, chats. Well, thanks very much. Appreciate your time. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks to everyone who's listening as well. Please remember to hit the subscribe button or follow us on our social channels. I've been Lawrence Bretton. You can read my stuff on F1.com. We've had Chris and you can read his work on race.com and Nate's work on ESPN.com. Let's do this again sometime, chats. It's coming home. Network.